Yo, yo, yo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's happening? This is Religiously Incorrect. I don't know what episode it is, but it is September 27th, 2020. Jeff, we're still in the land of the living. Man, listen, we are still, we have made it almost all the way through 20, the year of 2020. Man, what kind of year has it been, man? It, it, it's crazy. To everybody watching, thank you for joining us. Would you please jump in the comments, say hey, say hi. My name is Pastor Todd. I got Pastor Jeff with us. We have a wonderful show for you tonight. We're so glad you joined with us. It's Sunday night. We've all watched football. Let's just get it out the way, Jeff. Browns and Steelers both won. We both, both look pretty won. good today. So there's really no ragging. We won't rag today. No ragging. You know, did their thing. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm still going to show you this. I mean, I'm still going to yeah. I ain't bring none of my brown stuff yeah. out today. I'm just gonna let the wind talk for itself. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, if everybody like, like, share, share, post, tag in that order. Like, share, post, tag like in that preacher. order. Like a true preacher, you gotta yeah. always gotta in that order. Line it up. Line <laughs> it up. Now give me, now give me your hoop. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, let, real, real quick, real quick. I know we on this. Time limit today. I just want to give a big shout out. Five years. Happy anniversary. God bless you and your wife. You know what I mean? Five years in ministry at uh at the, at the historic, the historic second Baptist church on Main Street. Yes. House of Hope. Yes. Hey, Pastor Barnes, Pastor Jackson, I thank you so much for the love, the church family. We appreciate everybody. It's been amazing. And uh, Lord knows what God has in store uh, for everyone. So, Jeff, kick us off. Uh, first of all, if you're watching, please let us know you're here. Please hit that share button. Uh, like, the, you know, all that stuff that Jeff said. He, the preacher said it, so you already heard it. <laughs> Jeff, what are we talking about? What are we kicking off with? And we are kicking off with, man, we're going to talk a little bit about Breonna Taylor, man. We're gonna, we just going to talk a little bit about it. We don't want to really talk about her too much. I, I, I want to, uh, you know, I just want to talk for a few seconds about the comments that Chuck, Big Chuck, Big Chuck, Big Chuck, Charles Barkley, and yeah. um, and and Shaq kind of, you know, joined in on it by saying that you know uh, this was not the same. We they, they, we can't put this shooting in the same category uh, as many of the other shootings took place. And um, once again, I, I have to say that you know. Even if I agree with it, I don't think that was the right setting to say it. I, I think it is still cause for disunity in the community. I think while we're trying to come together to stop these police shootings from happening, period. Right. Whether it's an accident, whether it was meant to be, whether, you know, whatever the circumstances was, I don't think we need anybody standing. You know, I, I said this on Facebook and I'll say it again. If what you say does not add to the silence, then just shut up. Huh? Yeah. And I think that's. I think that is a wise words for everybody. If what you say does not add to the silence, then just shut up. I mean, you you don't have to say anything. You didn't have to say anything on national TV just because you have an audience does not mean you have to say stuff that you are uneducated in. Well, you know, to the point. Pastor Jeff, is we as African-Americans who are in positions of prominence, we have to use our voice responsibly Absolutely. and understand how our voices can be manipulated, whether we intend to or not. Maybe they were just expressing the types of opinions that people do have at home in their living rooms, but they are not at home in their living room. 
They're on national TV in front of millions of people. And there are lots of aspects uh, in situations like these that can go into a conversation. But that's why you have to be very cautious with your platform and how people might use what you're saying to uh, to prove a point that actually ends up harming and hurting uh, people of color. And Absolutely. so I'm not like, oh, you're a bunch of coons or house Negroes or whatever. But yeah, and people might feel that way. And maybe they said other things that might be able to justify that type of opinion of them. But whether or not they feel that they are uh, of that way or that you know opinion, they have to think about what this does to the millions of young people who say, when I do mess up, are, are the people who I look up to going to justify my death? Even if I've messed up, even if there is some, are they going to justify an egregiously overreaction and, and violent act against me? Uh, nobody says that drug dealing is good or associating with people. We, we, we do spend all of our time warning young people against this type of stuff. Right. But at the same time, stealing a candy bar is not, not supposed to be a death sentence. Absolutely. Getting pulled over for not having a license is not supposed to result in a shooting. And as I've said, and I went to a police training and I don't want to get off on that. We should talk about it. I went to one last week, didn't even want to go. It was the day after they announced the verdict. I mean, I'm with these dudes like, I don't even like y'all, but I guess I'll just be here because I'm not going to punk yeah. out. You know, I'm not going to punk out. But I sat here like sudden movements, man, sudden movements in relatively nonviolent you know, situations. So I would just say that we pass. I don't care if you're a pastor, if you're a public figure, if you're a politician, there still should be a solidarity to black people. Use might, your platform intelligently, intelligently, wisely, and when you use it, you know, come on, Shaq, come on, bruh. You know what I mean? It's not like we understand you anyway. If I could cross my eyes, I would. If I could, but I'd have to like put my finger in a socket to be able to cross my eyes as bad. But I mean. And it's a joke to them. But to be honest, if you carry on like that, you become a joke to us. Right. So go back to selling Papa John's pizza, whatever you do. Right. Leave the serious issues. Right, right. It's play with the little guy on, on the Geico commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do the lizard or whatever that, you know, do that. Until he gets shot, and you'll probably cry more for the lizard than you will right. for, for black Tell people. Me how in the world are you getting that little convertible? He how does it. That- <laughs> Does it? It's like Tiger Woods when he was in a Buick commercial. Like you don't drive no Buick, right? You are right. well. You don't win the U.S. Open and drive and go home. In a century, in a Buick century. <laughs> My uncle drives a Buick. Not not you. <laughs> you don't even have Geico. They got that billionaire insurance. They got that. You know, if you cut your pinky off, you get twelve million dollars or something like right. that. Right. 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 So. So anyway, I mean, we don't want to rag because, I mean, I'm not going to put down in response to a put down, but uh, some of us need to learn how to just be quiet. Absolutely. To be honest. We need to be quiet. So there it is. this episode, for everybody watching, sharing, I see you all coming in. Thank you very much. I want to say hi to everybody that said hello. Mary Morgan Hope joined us. Hey, hey Sister Hope. Good God to see you. you. Uh, want to get this out there. Uh, uh, Alex, wish me a happy anniversary. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. And uh, Marla, of course, with wisdom, they should have had that conversation offset in their home or dressing rooms. And you're absolutely right. They should have done that. Thank you, uh, Sister Mitchell. So this subject tonight is called When She Speaks. 
Yes. When she speaks. And we are talking tonight about the role, uh, maybe even a little bit of history and maybe the future of women in ministry. And Pastor Jeff, you and I uh, are obviously men. Uh, <laughs> just gonna Got some long hair. Make an assumption. Even. <laughs> and let's just be clear here: the uh, the ministry is male dominated. It, it is. It is. It is a male dominated. And and let's just be honest: in just about every industry, I mean, so so many. Right. I mean, uh, the stereotypes of what women can do in our world is like, you know, stewardess, waitress, teacher, you know, it, it's it's so limited. And honestly, it is 2020 and really hasn't changed in most people's minds. It has not changed. And uh, we are ever evolving and growing. And I don't think fast enough. I, I don't think at the speed enough. And so the church is not out of the woods on this matter of fact we're behind the times extremely 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 it, it, it has come to me where you know and most of our churches are predominantly women and there's no church without them man and, 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 and we yet and still put them on the back burner as to what they can do what they shouldn't do and what they will do in the church that most of them save in, 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 in that week in and week out because had it not been for them, many of these churches would be shut down. So there'd be no offering. There'd be no offering. <laughs> this is be, let's keep it real here. Be no, my grandma put the bricks on the church. She, 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 she cooked the ribs and put the bricks on when they fell uh -huh. down, she cleaned them off and put them back on. I said, now, Grandma, I would have took that as, as a sign from God and just walked away from the whole project. <laughs> if I'm building the building and the brick fall on me, I'm going home. I'm like, Lord, this ain't you. But but, but you're, you're absolutely right. And, and by the way, I mean, we are really speaking archaic language. We're talking about they and them. and Because that's how deep it is. E even allies struggle. It's almost like white and black. Like even how your white allies are like, am I saying this right? Right, right. Here, am I? Like, you know, they love you. You know, they're honest, but they can't help what they have or have not been exposed to. And honestly, as a young man, I'm only 38. You're only in your 40s, uh, Pastor Jeff. We are part of the younger, more progressive, open minded generation and still struggling in how to communicate and perhaps even participate alongside our sisters in ministry. So if you are a, a, a female minister, pastor, elder, evangelist, uh, we are celebrating you today. We are wanting to talk about your role, your worth, your value. Uh, we call the episode when she speaks, but I like I liked Pastor Jeff's. I'm gonna give you a shout out, Pastor Jeff. I liked your your title was a woman's worth. Uh, well, you know, you know, it didn't get used, so I mean, I ain't upset about it, but I'm glad you did like it. it was a cool title. Oh, I'm gonna play the song. You want me to play the uh, Maxwell? I mean, uh. Stop, wait, stop, stop. I was the false up. Did you hear Jeff? We just talked about this. Regular guest, man. Let's talk. We're ready to do the Prince tribute. I'll let you know. All right, here are our guests. We are not alone tonight. We have two of the most powerful, and by the way, we could have called anybody. There are a lot of people, a lot of dynamic, incredible. Uh, women of God, a lot of our sisters who are serving, who are impacting, who are building, who have 
literally led people to Christ and beyond and undergirded the overall gospel ministry that impacts our world. So our, our choice is just because we can't have everybody because there are so many wonderful people. Right, absolutely. Uh, Elder Carter is on it. She always is. So we yeah. love you, Elder Carter. We love you. Love you. Love you. But here are our guests tonight. The wonderful, uh, powerful preaching. I mean, this, this lady just has my heart. She's the like, incomparable. My, I'm claiming her as grandma. She's just, she's just mine. <laughs> you have to make room for me somewhere. Reverend Gina Thornton. Reverend Gina Thornton is with us. How are you doing, Reverend Gina? Today, how are you? God, Thank you for finding me. Amen. We have her powerful prognosticator. That was Jeff's word today. Prognosticator <laughs> of the gospel. I heard that this morning, Jeff. Prolific pontificator. 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 The prolific pontificator. The prolific pontificator. Of the whole council of God. Yes, yes. <laughs> she's not the man of God. She's the woman of the God. The woman of God. With a D on the end. <laughs> the one and only Reverend Dr. Robin Woodbury. Yeah. Hey, Dr. Robin. Good evening. Man, y'all need medication. That's all I'm going to say. Hey, it's way too late tonight for y'all to have it. this much energy. Oh, my God. <laughs> Listen. You know what makes it so special? We have a mother-daughter ministry yes. combo. Mm -hmm. And it's so common. In, my father's a pastor. I'm a third generation. My great-grandfather was a pastor, the, the legendary Reverend B.H. Dow, Bentley H. Dow. And then uh, my father's a pastor, and I'm a pastor. I'm about to force one of my boys to be a pastor. And it's just so common for uh, for our males to have that passed down. You know, it's just, we just expect it. But to see this is so special. And uh, I know the both of you have probably already been told and experienced how unique, you know, uh, and, and wonderful and inspiring it is. Uh, but I want you to hear from me that I, I'm just blessed to know the both of you, Amen. both of you. And we're so grateful to have you on. So Thank people you. are saying hi. Everybody loves you. Everybody <laughs> loves Reverend Rob and Reverend Gina. Yes. Grace AME uh, for years and years. And you passed it in Cleveland as well, Reverend Thornton. Yes. Yes, and I did. Dr. Rob served for years at New Bethel. I mean, you are the, okay. the, the fuel, the, the fuel uh, that, that, that kept that wonderful uh, church going. And we really appreciate you. You recently have been, been transitioning and uh, I want you to tell us about what you're doing and all of that. But let's start with Reverend Gina. Uh, just tell us how you're doing and what you're doing and a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm, I'm learning. I retired in... Uh, 2014 uh, in the AME church at 75. If you're pastoring, you have to retire from pastoring. And that's what it's saying. You know, sometimes uh, others don't do that, but the book says that we are to retire. So I retired in 2014 from Grace AME in Warren. And uh, I've just been trying to learn this, uh, this, uh, uh, all of this phone and, and computer stuff that's going on now. I didn't even know what a podcast was. Is that what you said? When my daughter said that, that Pastor Todd was going to call me to be on a podcast, I said, what is that? And she was, her answer was, I'm so excited. And I said, I am so scared. 
<laughs> I don't, don't know. We're not allowed to curse, so I can't say I don't know. <laughs> oh, no. This is a free environment. <laughs> what I am doing. Yes, yes. I'm going to grace, Doc. I'm going to grace. <laughs> So I'm trying to learn how to do that. I've been doing the nugget on Facebook and and uh, and and preaching wherever I can and teaching. That is what I love to do most is teaching, and so uh, that's where I'm at right now. And I want to give you a shout out because I have seen several of your nuggets with the I Vote Black T-shirt on, and I yeah. say, "There's Mama Thornton with the and Reverend Rob has hers too. I see her. She yes, has I it do. too. Reverend <laughs> Rob, tell us how are you doing? What are you doing? What's going on? With you? I'm doing all kinds of stuff. Oh my goodness! So, um, I officially retired um, from my role at New Bethel at the end of August, um, and so I am in the Episcopal Church, um, where the AME has came out of the Episcopal Church, um, but I'm what's called a postulant for holy orders, which is a real flowery word that means that I'm in the process of becoming a priest, which is what they call their pastors. So, um, and I am doing um, an internship uh, at a church, Christ Church in Hudson, Ohio. So Sundays I, I go up to Hudson and we're doing in-person worship services. Now we're back to doing that as well as doing services on Facebook and, um, Zoom. So wow. they're keeping me busy. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. That, that's amazing. Uh, uh, Pastor Reverend Thornton, how long did you pastor between all of your churches? How long did you spend in pastoral ministry? 27 years. I was wow. in Cleveland 23 years. I pastored in Cleveland, um, my first church, uh, and th I was there nine years. And then I went to the west side of Cleveland and I pastored there 13 years. And then I came, my children just carried on so terrible about me being on the road so much, traveling. <laughs> And so, and they didn't want to say you're just getting old, Mama. You need to come home. <laughs> but I, when when we built the new church, I was 70 years old when we dedicated that church. And wow. so, my children just, you know, kept fretting about me just being gone so much. And so, I came to a grace, and my last five years was in grace. So okay. I. All of my, the largest percentage of my pastoring was in Cleveland. I traveled a lot. Gotcha. And when were you ordained and first got into the ministry? What year was that? In 1976. I was, I was licensed in 1976 at New Bethel Baptist. And then I was ordained in 79. And, wow. um, the, and, and I, I do want to say this, that uh, New Bethel sent me to school. If, I don't know what would have happened to me if I had not, because I when when I was called, I was married with children. Wow. And uh, when I was ordained, I was carrying my last baby. And so if it wasn't for New Bethel, having the vision, you know, to just invest in, in their ministers, uh, I don't know what would have happened, but they sent me to school 
pay for my schooling, pay for my books, and help me uh, just become uh, prepared. And then I had to leave. Uh, just like Robin, I had to I had to leave uh, because there was no church that would call me in in this area at all. So wow. I, I went into the AME church. Wow! Now, Pastor Jeff, before you ask your question, do we need to have a meeting with our boards about paying for us? You know, Pastor Harrison did send me to school. Pastor Harrison and Union Baptist Church. I, I gotta say that he he, but. I mean, but we do. We do need to have a talk with our boards and say, finish that up. Uh, hey, we were shooting down in Alabama, so we got we got more uh, leverage this time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They used to do that too. They used to bring them guns to the church. <laughs> I, I um, uh, you know, thank God for your dad being a pastor, Pastor Todd. We obviously we know Pastor Johnson. My great grandmother uh, was Reverend Anna Lee Walls was one of the first black pastors in Youngstown, Ohio at Christ Universal. Uh, I set up under uh, uh, the great, 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 great um, pastor, Reverend Powell for a long mm. time. Um, mm -hmm. she, she was my, my grandmother was my first pastor, but I was just there for the cookies and milk. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> she made cookies and milk. Sure. Oh, cookies and milk in Sunday school. That was it. Every <laughs> Sunday school. Uh, I, ain't to, I still do remember Holy, Holy, Holy. It's the song that came out on every single Sunday. <laughs> Lord God Almighty. God in three persons. Um, but uh, then uh, my first pastor was Reverend Elizabeth Powell, who was uh, phenomenal. I got to watch the struggle that she went through. And I, we thank God for Reverend Lee and Reverend Simon uh, helping her in all that she went through. Um, and then um, I was fortunate enough to get ordained. My first uh, ordination was under uh, Loretta Pernice, Pastor, Pastor, I think it's now Apostle Loretta Pernice. Get it right. Here in Warren at Elam Christian Center. Um, and I got to see the transition in all these different women pastors. I guess my question here, uh, Reverend Rob, is that, you know, you are fortunate and blessed enough to have had your mother and, and, and growing up in the ministry. We have a lot of young ladies online right now who may be trying to get in the ministry that don't have your mother and don't have uh, this type of example. What would you say to them? As far as uh, looking to come into ministry or just in what, general? What sound advice would you give them? However oh, you man. Um, grab hold to whomever you can that um, you you connect with spiritually that you feel um, can be that uh, that support that mentor that spiritual uh, director whatever the case may be um, I I am fortunate that that person is my mother um, but if 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 she wasn't here or wasn't in the role that she is in now um, I would definitely need to have somebody like that. You have to have somebody like that, um, that you can call somebody that you can trust, um, that you can share with, um, your, your fears, your struggles, your anxiety, <laughs> your goals, your visions, your dreams, everything. And so I can pick my, pick up the phone and call my mom and say, mom, I'm dealing with this. But you know, if you don't, if, if you don't have a mother who's in a place to do that for you, then find somebody who who can. And, and there are women out there, I promise you. 
<laughs> who can serve who can serve in that capacity um that you whatever you tell them will stay with them they'll pray with you they'll pray for you they'll give you words of wisdom and so forth so um just just know that that there are people out there um pray and ask god to bring them across your path and he'll do it because he wants you to be successful in what what he has for you to do amen right mm -hmm. reverend thornton we know you're not the first but when you think about the 70s being ordained uh licensed and ordained in the 70s it's obviously still uh quite some time ago and ideas about ministry and women's roles in ministry were very entrenched uh i want to balance the question so give us a i hate to say the word dark but give us a the, the dark side of that and and again we, we 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 don't have to say names or anything if anything gets you know and, and then like a light side, like a, a side, and you did mention about the, the affirmation of New Bethel, but give us both sides, like you experienced maybe the depths and the heights of what that young experience was like. Well, the, the dark side was uh, when, even though my, and I want to say this while I'm thinking about it, and that is uh, Robin is the fourth generation in our family of women ministers, pastors the fourth generation. And so my mother was uh, was a minister and my grandmother on both sides of my family, my father's mother and my and my mother's mother were were preachers and, and one founded a church. So Robin is like that fourth generation for women. But uh, I, when I came into the ministry, um, I didn't know enough to um, protect myself or I don't know what the word I want to use. I didn't know how to protect myself as a woman because when, when male pastors would say to me, when I was started into seminary, they said, God would never call a woman to preach. And they would show you scriptures that Paul, was yeah. word, the words that Paul wrote. I keep the women silent in the church and those kind of things. And so it, it, that's what would floor me. I, I would say to God, why would you call me to do something that, that the Bible says I shouldn't do? I, did, mm -hmm. I just didn't know how to protect myself. I didn't know enough about it to, to, to be able to protect myself. And so I was, I had uh, one of my babies was little, maybe Manasseh or Joshua. And I got up in the middle of the night to feed the baby. And um, I was just crying. Just, And I, I told God, you just have to help me. Why would you do that? And after I, after I cried and cried and cried my, all the tears out, uh, the spirit said to me, read the writing in red and i said the writing in red and that's when i remembered that the writing in red in the bible is what jesus said so i started studying what jesus said instead of just following what paul was saying i started following what jesus was saying and i never heard him say uh, she shouldn't do that. Hmm. You know, you know, when Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus and Martha right. said, you, you better bring her in here and help me right. help her 
this with this dinner, yeah. and this cheesecake, this right. cheesecake and these greens. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Jesus says, no, I won't. That's right. Because no, uh, wow. she's chosen the, the best part. And so I never saw where Jesus ever said, you shouldn't do that. You can't do that. And so it that was the, that brightened my life. <laughs> that yeah. brightened my life. But there has always been people, when Robin says uh, that God will bring across your path, men and women mm. who God had placed in my path to carry me to a certain point. Many of them don't stay with you all, all the time. Some will die off mm -hmm. and some you just move beyond. But there was a man named uh, Deacon Lewis Riggins, and he had been uh, the he had been the chairman of the deacon board at Mount Zion AME Mount Zion Baptist Church for forty years, and he left he left Mount Zion and came to New Bethel just at the time that I was being called, and he was sick. And um, God gave me a word uh, of knowledge for him. He was in the hospital, been in the hospital 52 days. And, um, and he met Jesus in that room that day. And he wow. said to me, when I start, when he came out of the hospital, he was in church every Sunday, but he started riding with me on Mondays when I taught a class in, in Cleveland every Monday at a lady's house. And he started riding with me. And he said to me, I was a religious politician. Mm. I, knew, I knew what the preacher needed. I got what he needed. I knew how to you know, lead devotions and serve communion and all of that. But I didn't know who Jesus was until I was in the hospital room that day. And so he taught me how to pastor. He wasn't a pastor, but he knew what a pastor should be. Wow, wow. And I drove to Bible class and he sat on that passenger seat and just talked to me and showed me, told me what to do and how to be quiet in certain times when you were talking about it. Sometimes you need to, it, it, you have the right to remain silent because whatever you say, is going to be used against you. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. preaching now, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I want to defer to Jeff for a second, but I do have a really good question based on a comment that Reverend uh, Elder Joseph uh, Dwayne heard from the Elizabeth Missionary Baptist Church. And by the way, I want to uh, shout him out for being an affirming and supportive pastor of yes. women in ministry. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to post the comment up again. Uh, it is unfortunate to lose such anointed vessels in the Baptist church with uh, you both uh, being uh, ordained and licensed in the Baptist church, or at least strong uh, participants all your time and then end up going to other places. So Reverend Rob, you've been around and you've watched. Uh, you're seeing the evolving as it's happening in real time. Do you think that some of the denominations, the major denominations in particular, and I'll stick with black denominations, especially that are still restrictive. Do you think they're going to see the writing on the wall, whether it's through divine inspiration or practical shifts that, you know, 
however it happens, do you think that in any near future, there's going to be a breakdown in one of our major denominations or reformations in the black church? We have some Pentecost, we have some Baptists, you know, what, what do you think? You know, I would like to, I, <laughs> I would like to say that I hope so. Um, honestly, in the near future, I, I don't know, to be honest with you, because uh, to tell you the truth, with it being towards the end of 2020, I would have thought we would be a lot farther than we are right now. Um, and it's it's a little disheartening that we are not. Um, I appreciate uh, uh, Pastor Hurd's uh, uh, comment. So thank you, Pastor Hurd. I appreciate that. Um, but, you know, the fact that we're still fighting this fight is, it kind of blows my mind. And I'm not sure what it's really going to take. Maybe the, I hate to say it, but the old guard and the old mentality has to has to move off the scene. Um because there, there's still that mentality that women can only play certain roles. Um, you know, maybe they could preach. We've gotten to that point. They can preach. Women can preach, but they can't be pastors. Yeah. Ah, ah, you know, so I'm, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a mentality thing. And so, you know, when you ask mom about the, you know, like her aha moment, you know, and, and, and she talked about the writing in, in red, you know, for me, it was the upper room when, you know, God took me to that scripture about the people in the upper room. There were 120 some people. And do you know that women were in the upper room? And so the Holy Spirit fell on everybody that was in that room, and everybody. he did not. Everybody did not everybody. which one were women and which one were men. Y'all hear what I'm saying? So uh -huh. everybody in there received the Holy Spirit, and they all left up out of there doing what the Holy Spirit led them to do, including the women. And so that for me was an aha moment. Um when that aha moment is going to come for you know different denominations, I, I'm not sure, but it is a travesty. I, I have to agree with Pastor Hurd that um, churches would be so restrictive or limited in their in their understanding of how God can use a woman that they will allow women to just sit in the in the pew and be. Um, uh, oppressed, so to speak, um, and 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 not be allowed to to be all that God has called them to be, and to utilize everything that He has given them for the body. It's for the body. It's not for me. It's not you know for show. It's for the body of Christ, and so and we all have a role to play in that body. And so it's it's sad. Uh, I think. You know, I, I wish that I had not had to um, look for another avenue in which I could be used to my fullest, fullest potential. But here we are. And so, you yeah. know. <laughs> and I, I share that as a male pastor coming to the edge of the reasoning, the biblical reasoning, which, again, you understand what you understand as you understand it. And often it comes off of what you've been told and not what you have read or balanced yourself. There is enough out there that if you took the time to study uh, the counter arguments theologically that really do blow up even Paul's words uh, contextually, if you choose to acknowledge. 
right. like many points of theology that they're necessarily right or wrong, but different ways of looking. And perhaps some of this has to do with our limited knowledge of reading uh, King James, archaic language sometimes yep. <laughs> through our own limited, we can barely speak English, you right. know, <laughs> right. Greek and Hebrew and we, <laughs> we, we're barely mastering our own language. It reminds me of what a, uh, a, uh, a, a rabbi said when we were in Israel and one of our evangelical brothers made a very out of context comment uh, just from their own perspective about Israel and America and whatever. And he basically said, you know, trying to read the Hebrew scriptures or interpret the Hebrew scriptures through uh, the Western lens and English language is like kissing a bride through her veil. <laughs> it's like you, know, you kissed it, but you didn't really kiss her. You know, kind of was kind of a slap down because the man was being very arrogant. Like, yeah. you know, um, but uh, Tatum Osborne, Pastor Tatum Osborne, who is from uh, uh, she always corrects me. It's Brooklyn, New York. Right. Tatum, uh, Pastor Tatum. I remember from last week. Yes, it's Brooklyn. Yeah, it was Brooklyn. She, she, will get me. Uh, she is one of my Berean sisters in the uh, Berean Fellowship under Bishop Timothy J. Clark. Uh, so we connect every year at First Church of God. Her and Pastor Kevin pastor together. And she said it's not just in the Baptist church. Mm. They affirm women preachers in the church of God. And I've seen your post. Tatum is pushing. Pastor Osborne is pushing uh, for young ministers. And they have even created platforms and avenues uh, for young ladies who feel called to ministry to be able to connect and be poured into because of the inequities. And basically, you, you use the word, Robin, and it's correct. It's oppression. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's oppression. So, Pastor Jeff, you want to jump in with something? I would just say, you know, when you look at the fact that a woman was the last person at the cross and the first person to the grave, mm. when you look at these statistics when we look at you know earlier we uh reverend gina uh was talking about how you need somebody to hang on with you today uh i talk about i talked about how elizabeth or mary had to go to elizabeth uh in her time of pregnancy when she was pregnant with potential herself uh the first place she had to go was to elizabeth who was already pregnant with potential and she stayed there for three months and three months is when you start showing and sometimes you got to get with somebody who'll stick with you and stay with you until you start showing. My question. Let me pull my organ app out. Pull my organ out. But you know, you said you said something um, about the the full potential, and that I guess that's my question: is even when there are openings. They don't seem to be at predominant churches. Predominantly black churches. Yeah, black churches. They seem to be the, you know, the the little the littler, the little churches, and you know, outside of uh, Grace, you know, all many of the women pastors I know seem to have these little ministries. And is that a reflection on the people not wanting to? follow a woman pastor. Now, and I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand why, I guess. I mean, I, I, like you said, Pastor Todd, I know that a lot of it is learned behavior and that women, like you said, can preach, but not pastor. But is, is that, is that, you know, something, do we have women with outside of Joyce Myers and, uh, you know, Juanita Bynum, I don't even think she got her own church, do she? 
But um, you know, do do we have women pastors? She has a shofar. She has a shofar <laughs> and uh, a <laughs> and a prayer cloth and a camera. Shut up. <laughs> That's what she has. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Oh, no, no, no. She's the one that spoke in tongues on Facebook one time in the comments. She spoke in tongues in the comments one time on Facebook. I was through after that. I don't care. This is literally incorrect. I don't care. Uh, that's funny. But Jeff, you brought up a, okay, let's bring up an elephant in the room, Pastor Jeff. We have seen that the lack of progress in the black church has lost a generation to, out of our traditional denominations, number one, uh, younger generations moving on out of traditional denominations. Then they're moving on into places away from our culture. Hmm. Okay, so they're moving into evangelical or CCM churches or churches that do not reflect our culture, not in our communities. And we're seeing the same thing when it comes to those gifted, anointed sisters who are in some cases having to do the same thing, either leave our traditional denominations, uh, perhaps either join or launch a church uh, of their own in order to genuinely. So do you see the same dynamic at work, uh, Reverend Rob and Sister Gina? You can you can jump in wherever you want to, Reverend Thornton. I mean, do you see the same dynamic at work where just like we lose generations, we're also losing gender? Mm-mm. I actually I have um, seen that uh, I have colleagues now that um, are past have been called to pastor in churches that are that weren't our denomination. Um, um, now I'm, I'm gonna say something to that because um, I I I feel for me. I can't speak for anybody else, but I feel for me that the doors that seem to be closed in the Baptist church was really a springboard for me to move to where I'm at right now. And and the reason I say that is because um, I don't think the Black Baptist church really needed the kind of ministry that the Episcopal church needs. Okay. As and 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 the Episcopal Church is is really predominantly more white. I mean, there are Black Episcopals, but uh, Episcopalians, but you know, it's predominantly white. And and I honestly, and and I didn't see this at first, but I'm beginning to see it a little bit more now. Honestly, feel that um, what God wants to do through me is needed more in the Episcopal Church than it is in the Black Baptist Church. I just, I just have to be honest with that. Um, so I didn't see that at first, but I'm seeing it a lot more clear, clearly now, especially with the climate that we're in, you know, with this right. whole racial injustice kind of thing. Um, and the Episcopal church is really digging and searching for what to do with this and how to move forward in that. Um, and they need people like me <laughs> to help them with that. So I, I see how that has worked for me. I can't speak for anybody else, but I do have colleagues. I do have sister friends that, you know, grew up in the Baptist church or whatnot, were licensed, ordained in the Baptist church, just like I was, but now they're called to the church of the Nazarene. You know, they're called to, you know, maybe a Baptist church, but, you know, American Baptist or a different branch of the Baptist or, you know, so I'm, I'm seeing that. Um, a lot more 
And I, I'm not sure what's happening. God is doing, I, I call it kingdom work because it's, it's beyond denomination. As far as I'm concerned, it's kingdom work. And so, and we're, we, we women, I think are a little bit more open to that than maybe y'all fellas might be. I want to throw something out there about, about that because it's, it's tricky because we watch Dr. Bryant, God bless her. I thank God for her where she's at. We, we watch uh, Pastor Dawson. We were both at her installation. With those churches, do you believe those churches, those predominantly white churches, would they hire a black man? Huh. Yeah, some of them have. I, I they yeah, have? they have. Okay, it, it might be far and few between, but Dr. Taylor and some, some of them have. Uh, but I, I absolutely agree with what Robin says that there's something else is happening here, something spiritual that God is doing that is literally breaking down the denominational barriers that have kept us separate from each other. And that is including the white church. Yep. And for some, for some reason, uh, since I retired, I, I'm preaching to the Presbyterian church. Wow. Uh, to, to, to white, to the, they, they call me more than, than, than uh, uh, the black church does. And wow. and and they they listen. I mean, they don't talk back at you. They don't say say that. <laughs> no. They don't say that. They listen to everything you say. Yeah. Wow. They're listening to it, and they need. This is my opinion. They need to hear the others. They need to hear the liberation gospel of Jesus. Uh, yeah. They have not. They've not been exposed to that. Because they've had the freedom to right. do whatever they want whenever they want to. Right. And so so they God needs to be able to speak to them in another voice. Wow. In another, you know, in another view. And uh, and I'm telling you, something's happening with it. Something wow. is happening with it. Well, you ladies are God is using women to lead the way in so many ways that fall outside of the it's like mary again at the feet of jesus and and what we think is inappropriate or we have for usually not their pure reasons uh what you know as uh, i think it was was it barnes or was it mark that said it today about the reason judas didn't want all that ointment to be spilled and all of that uh you know oil to be spilled you know we have our own reasons for why we're trying to keep things the same way and they're not always pure they're 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 power based. They're comfort based. They're right. you know tradition based, and there there is also genuine theological conviction. But I believe that we often do not allow our theology to be challenged or to grow or broaden, especially if we reach a certain a place of popularity or influence where people are almost counting on us to stand on whatever got us to where we are, and to switch up midstream would make us, as men especially, because of our egos, make us look weak. That if I become the pastor of this great church, or I become the president of this reformation, or I be I ascend up the ladder, and now I'm telling the people that the very things that I normally stood on, I'm starting to question and think about, then people start to go back down the line and say, well, maybe you really weren't, you know, and I yeah. think that's, for us, it's very dangerous, ego. And uh, 
And in a man's ego, it's very, very powerful. And sometimes that's the only reason that we don't want male or female to challenge us in anything uh, is because, and, and in the black culture, you all know it has not changed in 2020. It's the only place where anybody's listening to me. This is the only place where I get to be somebody. So here I am lording over people and especially females. Mm-hmm. And I think, let's be honest, Pastor Jeff, I've watched guys get off on that. Oh, yeah. A better term. And you know it. You you probably oh, yeah. feel it on your side. They, they, they get off on the fact that, uh, look, I mean, it's, it's a preaching trope for some of our dirtier brothers that I just like to make the female swoon like I'm Sam Cook or something. I just want to. <laughs> yeah. Well, here, here, here's a question for both of you, um, because I've seen this happen uh, on a few occasions where they brought a woman in to speak, a woman pastor, minister, evangelist, whatever it was, but they had to speak off to the side. <laughs> they, they, couldn't get in the pool. they had to speak off to the side. Or you, I mean, would that, hinder you? Uh, I mean, because the word is a word and, you know, people are going to like it or not. But I mean, does that, would you, would you ever say no? I'm, I'm If I can't speak in the pulpit, I'm not speaking down on the floor. I'm going to let mommy <laughs> answer that because I'm, I'm witnessed her deal with that. So I'm going to let her talk on that Come first. On, mama. <laughs> mama. That happened to me one time. I mean, there, before this particular time that it happened, I, w- I would preach wherever they they uh, assigned for me to stand I, you, because there were in many cases they wouldn't even let you in in <laughs> if they knew that you were a woman preacher. So wherever they had me to to stand, that's where I I would preach. But it happened one time um, after I started pastoring. I was pastoring in Cleveland, had a very successful church, and. Um, and I was invited to speak in a church that I had always preached in, but they had a new pastor. And so mm-hmm. when I came, I always would come there every year. Then they got a new pastor a couple of years. I didn't go. So they invited me to come on a Sunday morning. And so I left my pulpit and came to this church. And 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 the the minister told me that I couldn't be in the pulpit. I had to preach from the floor. I preached all over that floor, and I told him, I went up and down the house because I told him that I left my pulpit. I left right. my pulpit wow. to come here and wow. stand on your floor. So right. I said, "Don't you ever call me to come right. here again because hey. I don't have to do that." Right. You can sit in the in the pulpit. We won't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I asked right up. I asked it right up. I want to see Mama Thornton walking pews. I want to see Mama Thornton. Yes, yes. Uh, I whooped him. I whooped him with a belt. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> this, this How dare you invite me here out of my pulpit and have me stand on the floor? But that's wow. all right. I'm I'm here today. If I don't never come back no more. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got one, and, and I'm going to start with Mama Thornton, and then go down to uh, Reverend Woodbury. And this, well, my question would be: When you see female ministers, they could be younger. Maybe they are peers of yours. 
Have you ever seen them respond to the barriers and to the the disrespect in a way that you feel is, is, is toxic or unhelpful? Or maybe they jump to extremes, whether it's theologically or in practice, or maybe they make it a point to preach on it and just make a big show. What what are some of the things you've seen or maybe you had to maybe even counsel people and just like things you've seen, like I wouldn't do that. I, I can't support you in that. Or that's some things that you've seen over the course. Yes. Uh, well, probably the, the main thing is, is just always uh, uh, whining and crying about, you know, not being uh, allowed in the pulpit or where I would go into a church. And I would never go to the pulpit. I'd never go to the pastor's uh, uh, office. I just sit down. And if right. they don't invite me to the pulpit, I will never go. Wherever, and as I said before, wherever they uh, uh, a church would have me stand, that's where I would stand. You have to choose your battle. Right, you can't right, fight right. everything. Right. You turn people off when you're always whining about what mm. it, what you don't have all the time. You simply wow. cannot do that. So I, when I went to a church, I would go sit in the pew. And unless somebody called me, I stayed in the pew. That's, That's just right. the way that I did that. And I think that we can bring a lot of uh, hardship on ourselves by just always beating that same drum. You need to get your mind on whatever it is that God has called you to do and do that. Wow. Wow. Right. Very good. Very good. Reverend Rob, anything you can think of, uh, even among contemporaries that you're like, okay, that's toxic or that's extreme or that's, you know. Um. Well, mom hit on a, a lot of it. Um. I, I think sometimes we, we as women need, seem to need affirmation. So we seek that, you know, but, but mom really hit on it. You, you got to know who you are and you got to know, what God has called you to do and your gift will make room for you. You do not have to go knocking down walls, um, knocking down doors, trying to make people acknowledge who you are. Um, I've seen, I've seen women ministers um, correct people from the pulpit because they didn't address them the way they felt they should have been by their title. Yeah. So, I mean, those are things that I would, when I was teaching the, I used to teach uh, the ministers class at, at New Bethel um, for the new ministers that were coming in. And so for, for women, especially, there were certain things that I would try to, to help them with, you know, um, things that, that they may want to just kind of stay away from. But, but like mom said, you don't, you don't invite yourself in somebody's pulpit, you know, I, you just don't do that. I mean, that's like inviting yourself into somebody's house, you know, and you, you wouldn't do that either. So there are just things that um, um, you just, the, again, for me, it comes back to knowing who you are. I don't need your affirmation. You know, I, I don't need you to tell me that, you know, I'm this and I'm that or acknowledge me by my title or let me sit in your pulpit for me to know who I am in Christ and, and how he wants to use me. Um, and so I think if we can get past that, then a lot of those little things that we seek for the attention or the titles and acknowledgement, um, all of that just becomes really irrelevant. I'm like, mom, I can go sit in a, in a pew somewhere and be, you know, I'm cool, you know, but then they'll say, Oh, I see, you know, Reverend Woodbury back there. Why don't you come on up? And it's like, Oh, okay. But you know, you let them 
move in that direction and be okay if you sit in the pew and they don't call you up. You just got to be okay with that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I appreciate that. Go ahead, Pastor Jeff. Can I get a drum, drum roll? Because uh, we got to do something religiously incorrect here. Um, <laughs> Let's go. Y'all know it's me who has to bring up these. Um, here it comes. Here it comes. Over the last couple of years, we, we saw a switch in the dynamic. Um, you know, we saw the Mary Mary where uh, one, of, one of the Marys, whoever she was, was dressed a little risque. We saw the Tamala Man thing where, you know, on one of the war shows, she was showing a little, a little bit of a lot. We saw at Aretha, I think it was Aretha Franklin's funeral. Aretha. Uh, Aretha. I think, I, I think it's still going on. I think that's where it's still happening. It never ended. It's the 24 minutes. It never ended. It just ended like two hours ago. Who, 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 it wasn't that the funeral with a young lady's son. Uh, Ariana Grande. Grande. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and they, they showed the pastor kind of, you know. With, yeah. I mean, is this something that, you know, you guys would advise against? Is this is this uh, is this a new wave that women, you know, women can show their, I guess, sexuality? Well, well, let's let's separate Ariana Grande from actual female. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, I mean, I don't know where you know, but I, I, to Jeff's point, I, I like that question. What do you feel about dress being under different standards? You want to go? <laughs> yeah. So for me, for me, you're going to know that I'm a woman 100% period, you know, whether it's from my shoes or whatever it is, you're going to know that I'm a woman. Um, I do not, uh, I do think that there are boundaries personally. Um, uh, and so I have my own preference on how I, I prefer to be in the pulpit, but I think that there are boundaries, um, you know, because again, you, you don't want to be a distraction. You know, you are surrounded by fellas, so you don't want to be a distraction. You don't want to be where, where everybody is looking at, you know, whether or not your boobs is about to pop out, you know what I'm saying? Cause your stuff <laughs> is cut so low or your dress is up so high, or, I mean, there, there has to be a level of respect for yourself and how you carry yourself and how you present yourself. I, I don't feel like I need to dress like a man though, because I'm not a man, I'm a woman. And so, but there are ways that you can do that and still maintain a level of, of modesty and respect for yourself. Um, even as you're reflecting uh, Christ, you know, in the pulpit or however you're serving. I, I agree. <laughs> I, I agree. I came, I came from a, uh, from the old school, then as when I came into the ministry, um, I'm going to tell you something that happened to me when I first started um, preaching in the jail. Uh, I had a group called the Women of Faith in Action, and we would go into the jail on Saturdays. Um, and uh, at that time, all I had to, had to have was that piece of paper that Reverend Simon gave me that I was called to preach for New Bethel Baptist Church. And at that time, nobody was going in the jail. No, no, no preachers were in the jail. So I went in every Saturday. The first time that I went was in the summertime and it was very hot. And I had a little a sundress on. It was not 
real revealing, but it just didn't have any sleeves in it. Just had a little sun because it was hot. And, um, and so I had that on and, um, we went in and we had our Bibles and everything. I'll make it short. And, uh, after I came out of there and I was on my way home, we had a very, very, uh, good, uh, event that happened that day at the city jail. And, uh, on my way home, I was reflecting that. And the, the spirit said to me, give me a chance, Gina. Just like that. I heard those words, give me a chance. And I thought, what, what do you mean? And he said, these men haven't seen a woman for a while. And you can't just go. That you have to give, they see you and you have to give me a chance. I just started bawling. I just started crying because that wasn't my intent. I just didn't know. I just didn't know. And so from then on, I didn't, you know, you didn't have to have a dress down to your knees and all that. But I never went with my body exposed like that ever again. And when I started pastoring, every Sunday I wore a, a clerk, my clergy collar. To this day, when I'm going to carry, be the preacher, I have that clergy collar on. I tried not to dress with earrings hanging and stuff because I just hear the voice of God saying, just give me a chance. And yeah. so I try to to dress down as much as I can. But there are there are times when you know you do dress up on Women's Day or whatever. But I think in this in this particular time in 2020, a lot of the new women ministers are overdressed in my opinion. They don't have to have the clergy collar and all of that. But uh, I think a lot of them are overdressed and um well, and it, we're looking at all of that well i like that you brought that up because since you mentioned the clergy calling we are going to wrap up for all of our viewers and watchers uh get your rapid fire questions ready because we'll, we'll narrow it down to one question or two and then we'll be doing rapid fire in about four minutes uh which means we'll have to probably shorten our responses but i was going to say this because this is a male and female issue but females always get picked on more uh, and I want to read what Big Mike, first of all, said. Big Mike, our producer, he does put in public comments once in a while. He says, it's not you, the women, it's the men. They are the ones that need delivered. From these restrictive rules for our young ladies in high school to the way we put down young ladies in the church to now how we look at women in the pulpit. Always a distraction, 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 distraction. And nobody's saying nothing about these men in these skin tight pants. And yeah. these got the whole, you know, Timbuktu all out for everybody to see. <laughs> but, but I will say it's a male and female thing. And again, we are harder on females. But do you feel like people are putting a collar with just about anything? Say it again. Like, do you feel like people are putting a collar on? With just about anything. <laughs> I mean, with, with with some of our brothers, with some of our brothers, it's like you don't know if they're going to the players' ball, you know. No. You know and then with some of our sisters, it's like, are you going to prom? You know, yeah. and then you still get the, the call. So I appreciate it. And everybody won't agree. That's okay. We're religiously incorrect. Everybody won't agree. But do you feel like it's kind of jumped the shark on the fashion thing and the fashion statement and that kind of yeah? What do you think? You're asking me? 
Uh, yeah, either one of you. Oh, yeah. Yes, I, I, I believe, and I think you're right about the men as well. I just think that we're overdressed so that it, uh, the, the, everything is looking at us. All of the, uh, the attention is on, is on me. And, uh, and that's whether we're male or female. I think we are always doing something that takes people's mind off of God and, and it brings it onto myself. Something I think Pastor Jeff said, I can't remember which one of you pastors said it, but um, where, where, where we're dealing with our egos, that where Paul says, I die daily, it is the death of our own personal ego that we that has to die every day. We have to we have to kill that sucker because if we don't, we just rise up and we're we're just in the center of everything. It's so easy to do when you when you're standing on that podium. It's just easy to do, and so yeah. you have to you have to struggle all the time. I think where you're just not over. Producing yourself. I love that. Overproducing yourself. Now, yep. for, for, for the record, I just bought some new suits in Alabama. So, uh, <laughs> 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 you can, you can <laughs> listen, listen, real, I got to give a big shout out to Pastor Harrison. He bought all his ministers clergy clergy shirts and the little collars. The, the short sleeve ones, I still got all the, I got my purple one, my white one, my black one, my, all the ones you bought for, I got to cut the bottom two buttons off anyhow. <laughs> it's that cheesecake. That cheesecake. <laughs> but cheesecake. You, can't, you can't see it up under the suit anyway. You can't see the, can't see the bottom two, you know. <laughs> all right, y'all, listen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So Reverend nice. Thornton, Reverend Dr. Rob, I mean, my heart is full from the discussion. That was beautiful. You, you know how much I love the both of you. My my mama and my sister. You we know love you too. <laughs> I, I love you and uh, appreciate your ministries. And I learned so much just listening to you. I feel that these conversations, and as a black person, you all have been there. Doesn't it get tiring being in these forums where you're asked to sort of explain blackness? you know, in times of justice. But I'm sure it's the same for you in these conversations, but maybe we need to have more of these for our for our sisters in ministry mm -hmm. so that we can normalize the experiences and get away from how's it feel and what's this like to just, hey, Rev, hey, Doc, just like you could do with anybody else. But uh, I appreciate you so much. Everybody watching, Let's give it up for Reverend Thornton and Reverend Dr. Rob. Put hands say hey, say, say God bless you. I, I, I'm hearing you in your own house. We appreciate you all. Rapid fire is coming right up. Uh, and they're going to stay for rapid fire. Don't get scared, Sister Thornton. Don't get scared, Rev. This won't be bad. It will okay. Probably. You ready to put your questions together? But ask them what y'all need to ask them. But <laughs> hey, if you have a rapid fire question, would you get ready to post it? We don't know if we'll get to all of them. Sometimes we're short on questions. Sometimes we have too many questions. Big Mike, our producer, always has two questions for us to kind of get us going. And so I'll bring them in in a second. But while we're getting ready for that, please make sure you go to whether our Facebook page, our Twitter, our IG, Instagram. Make sure you like and share our page. 
more discussions like this will continue to be broadcast. Tag somebody and tell them to watch the rebroadcast. Tell them to watch the replay. We yes, can do some yes. really good talk. You can get your swag. Somebody asked me yesterday where they can get religiously incorrect swag from. We were talking about giving some away. I think we're going to start with our guest, Pastor Jeff. We're going to send Yay! Evan Fulton and yeah, yeah. They need them. They need them. We're going to send we'll this rock hoodie, we'll rock it. Or hoodie. Uh, and we'll get your sizes. I, I think I already got them from my vote black. So I already got your sizes. And I'll get them to you. And uh, if you want to get your own swag, religiouslyincorrectpodcast.com. Religiously, make sure you spell it right. Religiously <laughs> incorrect podcast. Because you know, if you spell a website wrong, you will be somewhere. Yep. <laughs> you will be somewhere you don't want to be. Uh, I was a, a kid in high school and the internet was not for everybody yet. It was, I don't know if you remember this, Jeff. You're the oldest. I don't know if you remember. It was whitehouse.com. Somebody had bought whitehouse.com and it was a pornography site. <laughs> most people didn't know it wasn't gov.com. And boy, all those little boys visited whitehouse.com. We all visited whitehouse. <laughs> all the teenagers visited the White House. All right, I told you. Don't get this flag. Don't, don't try to. I think that's gone. Don't try to find that now. Yeah, I don't know try to find it. it. it, it right right you. Say it one more time. White House got what? Gov, gov, gov. So hey, we're gonna bring in Big Mike. We we don't take a long time with rapid fire. We we pass it around and give our 30, 60 second answer. Sometimes because we're preachers, we can't help it. But we'll try to we'll, we'll try to keep it face. So come on, Big Mike. How you feeling, man? What you want to say? Hey, hey, hey. First. Oh man, Reverend Thornton, Reverend Woodbury, I enjoyed you guys tonight so <laughs> Thank much. You. I Thank really, you. really appreciate you guys coming on. Great show, great show, great show. <laughs> Love your insight, your wisdom, all of that, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. So much. Yes, sir. <laughs> all right. First question. First, oh, oh, let me back up. Jeff, I apologize for not using your title. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> You sound kind of cliche to me. A woman's worth. Everybody say that, man. You want to do something different. Right. Next, right. Time right. Next time I got you. I got it's you. All good. <laughs> all right. First question. Um, with a rapid fire. A few months back, we had uh, Dr. Angel De La Cruz on, and he was talking about Mother Teresa, how she was an she was an heiress, and she gave up all of her money to do what God called her to do. And even in the midst of that, there was times that she doubted God. Mm -hmm. So has there ever been a time in your career that, you know, you were out there, you were preaching, you were teaching, you were evangelizing, you were saving souls. Was there any, was there any time that it got rough and you actually doubted God? Yes. <laughs> Are we supposed to say what it was or? I mean, I, I, I mean, elaborate on a little bit. Yeah. Um, um, if you want, you know, you don't have to go into detail. But. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so in, in 91, um, my husband and I were expecting a son and, and I was eight months pregnant and he was stillborn. Mm -hmm. um, I was singing in the choir. I was ushering. I was teaching Sunday school. You know, I was serving God. I, I love God and I was serving him and my baby died. Mm. So 
I had issues. Uh, you know, my mom, I'm sure can she she God bless her, my dad who helped me get through that, but yeah, I I questioned God about that, you know. Um and 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 not to mention the fact that the same day that our baby died on the six o'clock news, when I was in the hospital room, I'm laying in my hospital room, I have the news, the TV on, they found a baby in a trash bag. Somebody wow. threw their baby away. Wow. And wow. here the baby that we wanted died. So I I yeah, I had issues. I I yeah. I it took me a while to to process through that and um but you know so yeah, I, I doubt it. <laughs> I doubted that he loved me. I doubted that, you know, I mean, what, what was the whole point, you know, of me serving him and why would you let my baby die? And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I mean, we, we hit patches like that in our life, but that foundation that we've, I felt like Jeremiah when he says, you know, you know what, God, I'm really mad at you. And I ain't preaching to your people yet. It's like fire shut up in my bones. It was kind of like that, wow. you know, that relationship. I was mad at him and I wasn't going to do this no more, but I couldn't help it because it was in me. So right. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Reverend Thornton. Yeah. Well, I, I'm thinking about the time that uh, I, my car, I, I think it was my first year in pastoring and I was up in Cleveland and the car that I had, I got ready to turn the corner and the all of the, the molding under my steering wheel fell off in my lap. And, uh, and I was afraid to drive the car. And so I knew I had to get another car. Um, at that time, we had five children and my husband was the sole uh, breadwinner. And uh, I needed a car. And the spirit said, you need a, a new car because you're traveling so much. You're putting too much mileage on to get a used car. So I went out in the Boardman and I uh, went all up and down. I thought God was going to touch somebody, you know, that would give me a, a, a chance to, to get a new car. I didn't, I didn't have any credit. I, it wasn't that I didn't have good credit. I didn't have any credit because for 10 years I was building the ministry and I didn't make any money. I didn't have nothing. And so they told me I had to have a thousand dollars to, to, to get a new car. And so I, I just went from one place to the other. And, and I said, surely God is going to touch someone's heart, you know, to allow me to get a car without having to put down a thousand dollars. And I spent all day there and no place would accept it. I came home that day. I cried so hard sitting right at this place that I'm sitting at right now. And I said to God, you promised me that if I would do what you told me to do, you would take care of me. And and I can't, I, I was embarrassed. I, I've been talking and preaching about uh, you know, God will provide, and I can't. I'm scared to drive this car, and um, and I'm just bawling. And the phone rang, my telephone rang, and a girl from New Bethel who had been in my Bible class. When I answered the phone, she said, "Gina, what's wrong?" And and I, I didn't know what she was talking about. I said, "What do you mean?" She says, "All day." Every time I turned around, God was saying to me, help Gina. 
Mm. And she said, what is wrong with you? And then I started bawling. I need a car. I ain't got no money. I just, I just went crazy. She said, you meet me out at the, at the Chevrolet. She, she and her husband both worked at General Motors. Wow. She said, meet me at, at the Chevrolet. Play. And I, talk, I say this so much when I'm teaching. Uh, her name is Ollie. I won't tell the whole, her last name. She met me out there. And that day, I bought a brand new Cavalier. And she, put, she wrote a check for $1,000 down payment. Wow for that car. And, uh, and I said to her, I don't know how, when I can pay you. And she said, it's not a gift. It's, it's not a, a loan. It's a gift. Yeah. But I, but that time I just thought God had forgotten about me, put me in a room, shut the door, turn the light out. And, yeah. <laughs> and that telephone rang and she said, what is wrong with you? I'll never forget it as long as I live. Wow. Well, send me your Ollie's phone number because uh, I need uh... to. <laughs> 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 All right, Mike. Next question, Jeff. You guys want to chime in? I'll keep mine short. Yes, absolutely. But I think more so, I hate to say I don't, I haven't reached the pinnacle of totally doubting God, but definitely the depths of doubting myself in God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, that's been, you know, a dynamic uh, thing to struggle with. Uh, I, I tend to struggle with self-esteem and anxiety at, at times. And I think it, it comes with the territory for some of us in some ways. Uh, that's the unspoken thing preachers aren't supposed to talk about. But mm-hmm. that's why a lot of preachers suffer under weight because they can't talk about mm-hmm. uh, or they're considered whiny or needy or egotistical, or whatever, or attention seeking. But uh, thank God that we're accepting mental health and wholeness and emotional health more in the church as opposed to just shout it out and scream it out and all this other stuff. But uh, that's a deep thing because it speaks to the human part of me that never feels good enough. And so I'm like, all right, God, things aren't moving fast enough or I'm, I'm blessed, but I still feel an emptiness or I'm not there or, or I don't know what there looks like. I don't know if this is the right there or if that's the right there or whatever. And I'm not talking about a church assignment or nothing like that, just life in general. Uh, and so that that's probably the depth. I can't say what well, this tragedy happened and I, I doubted God or, or this happened. Or I went through this depth of depression and this, but definitely self-doubt of like, God, should I just go back to the bank and count some money? And, <laughs> you know. Right. Make some money, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, a tra- transparent moment for me, um, probably, and I would say this is probably the first time um, uh, I was going through a divorce. I went through a divorce. And in the process of me going through a divorce, my mother died and I quit. I quit. I gave up. Didn't want to do it no more. Didn't want to preach no more. Uh end up, my mother had somehow joined Union Baptist. Uh, I didn't know Pastor Harrison at the time. He called me. He was the one who done the funeral. At the end of the funeral, uh, for whatever reason, the Lord told him to uh, allow me to do the invocation, I mean, not the invocation, but the um, the altar appeal. And um, that became our relationship. That's how we started. That's how I ended up at Union Baptist. And, you know, you know, the, there was a flame that was sparked again, wow. but it, but for a while there, I had I had given up. I was done preaching. Wow. So, 
Okay, Mike, you got to ask questions that actually give us rapid answers because these are like life stories. <laughs> hey, I warned you earlier, man. It was kind of loaded. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. Okay, one more, one more, one more. Um, I might get in trouble for this. But for pastors out there who have churches and they're not growing, nothing fruitful is happening. When is it time? When is it time to say, all right, this ain't it right now. I might want to move on. And I'm logging off. I'm logging off, Mike, because you know. <laughs> what are you trying to do? <laughs> it's like you set me up. <laughs> I know. I know. These, 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 these questions have been on my mind all day. I've, I've been thinking about y'all. Usually I come up with one. Let it go. I've been thinking about this one. I'm just saying, it just seems like there's a lot of churches out there struggling. Well, let me let me let me let me let me try to answer it real quick because obviously this has happened to me. I had a church, uh Church of the Living Word. We was we moved from Youngstown to Warren. Very few people coming, couldn't really do anything. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. My wife then came down here and she <laughs> over here acting up. That's all I'm calling her out. Okay. And um, but but you know, in the process of that, I I had just started at Wheatland too. Uh, we was working Sundays then. I was leave trying to leave church, go to work, come back to come back to uh, work, uh, and it just wasn't working out. Uh, and I I knew it wasn't working out. And you know, no matter how much I wanted to keep the church open. I knew it was time for a change and, you know, it was probably one of the best decisions I ever made. I end up at Agape with Pastor Todd after that. Come to find out me and this dude stayed on the exact same street and didn't even know each other. Um, you know, right, right. I went, went to his church and my wife and I went to his church at the time and, you know, he preached and I'm like, yeah, everybody got one good sermon. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try next week. Let's try next week. He went back next week. He had another good one. And then next week, I'm like, this dude don't. He he like my three best. Maybe my my three heavy hitters. And uh, and I was with him for three years after that. Now I think I became a better pastor and a better person because of three years. And sometimes God allows you to go through that. And and so I think we ought to see the signs and do what we got to do. Make the adjustments. And it doesn't mean that you failed. And I think people people have a a hard time with that. Oh, I failed. Well, no, not necessarily. Maybe it was just for a season. Maybe it was a learning experience. I mean, there could be a lot of things that factor into that. But when you have the Holy Spirit in you, I mean, at some point, he's going to let you know, you know what? You know, Jake's preached one time, if it's dead, bury it. The the Spirit will let you know it's it's time to put that down, (laughs) you know, for whatever reason. And, and and be okay with that and be ready to move to what he has for you, you know, next. There's some carcasses. There's some carcasses around Car- here. There's some, <laughs> <laughs> <with> some cadavers. <laughs> they stinking. Are they stinking? They, they, they stinking. They stinking. I'll, I'll get my answer right quick. I've said this so many times. I'm a, I'm a, I am a prophetic, practical person. If we would be honest about how many churches start, then we would be more open to how churches might end. 
Mm. Fact of the matter is, is that beside the call of God, the call of God often works beside the circumstances happening in the world or in certain regions or places. There's a need for the gospel here or there. There are people who haven't heard it, fellowships that need to be started. Many of our cities, we are in a perfect situation in Northeast Ohio, booming cities at one time, flocking people, too many people on the west side. We need a fellowship on the east side that people can walk to church. Let's not get into splits and arguments and disagreements. Let's not get into all that. Right. Who doesn't get along with who, who had a new revelation, whatever. And if practical everyday reasons can help us to launch and build ministries, then at least in part, practical considerations might help us to bring some to an end. Mm -hmm. If you have 80,000 people and they were all flocking up here and now we're down to 30,000, right? the churches we needed at 80,000 are just not, it's just, it's, it's numbers. It's math. God is smart. He knows math. Uh, and also preachers running themselves into the ground. We have a shortage of associate ministers capable and ready to jump into pastoral roles. Not that they aren't loving, not that they aren't uh, sincere, not that they don't, you know, but there's a shortage there and, and then there's a capacity and resource situation. So for some reason, we'll start in the flesh, but swear up and down that God's got to tell us and come down from heaven to end. And that's that's me. Like I've said before, most of the ideas the black community has, especially the black church. I'll just talk about Warren because I always do. I use Warren numbers. The 45 black churches in Warren couldn't do it, but I bet you 15 or 20 of them could. Right. If right. they were only. Right. Capacity, resource, right. people being right. together in one place. So I just feel that that has to be a part of it. I mean, if you're if you're coughing your lungs up every time you try to get to the intro of your sermon, you, you need to recognize the limitations of the moment. Not everybody, but and small isn't bad, by the way. Small is not bad. Right. But diluted and divided church is. Mm -hmm. That's me. Right. Reverend Thornton, do you have any input? Well, I, I agree with what you're saying. I believe that that the answer is, is in each of us and that a lot of times when the spirit is trying to lead you to, when Robin said, she, she didn't say this tonight, but in her ser her last sermon at New Bethel, I, I am out of my comfort zone. That That when you get out of the comfort zone, uh, we don't want to do that. So a lot of times the spirit is leading you to do something that your ego doesn't allow you to do. You don't want anybody. You do feel like it is a failure. And so you just keep beating that same dead horse. So, yes, there's a there's a the, everything changes. Nothing ever remains the same. Everything changes. And so you have to, one of the greatest sins I believe we make as uh, followers of Christ is that we're in the wrong season and don't know it. We're in the wrong, a lot of times we're trying to do one thing in, that should be in another season. And so uh, we have to be obedient to the spirit. To When it's time to leave, the spirit will tell you, you need to get out That's of here. Right. That's right. That's why I had to leave New Bethel. I felt comfortable there. Uh, right. But the Spirit said, you'll never grow beyond where you are as right. long as you're here. And so right. I just had to, I had to leave. Uh, so you have to know it. And then you have to have courage to do what the Spirit is leading you to do. 
Amen. Wow. wow. That is excellent. I got a real rapid fire question. Uh, so the Heat made the finals. Heat or Lakers? Lakers. Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Don't ask mama no sports questions. <laughs> no sports questions. I think it's going to be the Lakers. I think it's preordained. It's going to be the Lakers. LeBron got to get it. Pastor Todd, I, mean, I, I know we're over. I'm the producer, so I'm allowed. We're church, man. We we black. Episcopalians, we get in, we get out. I asked you and Jeff this question a while ago. Now I want to ask these two ladies. Um, how good or how bad was your trial sermon? <laughs> well, people told me mine was good, so no. They be lying. They be lying, I, I had, no, no, they be lying I, to you. Yeah, yeah they they lying. Lying. <laughs> Although I will say that my brother Manasseh said just when he started thinking about what game was about to come on TV, I wrapped it up. So he said my time was perfect. <laughs> I went too long. <laughs> but um, yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I. I think it was fine, but you know, people were sure. generous and kind. I think I don't know. <laughs> mine, was, mine was so long ago, I don't even remember what I wrote. She said it's written on tablet somewhere. Go find it. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get one in on you. I had to get one in. I do it when I'm far enough away for you. You can't hit me. You can't you can't throw nothing at me. He said, go find the scrolls if you want to know. I'm done. I'm done. Is hey, there any more given to us? No, I think that was it. You know, uh, we didn't get any sent in, but uh I think we'd love to have the both of you back just to chop it up and uh, have a replay. Uh, but it's it's been a pleasure and a joy. This was the best, uh, one of the best episodes I've been a part of hearing you and listening to you. I am quite, I'm quite sure this is the only episode I've ever given a stank. You know, that's the stank face. <laughs> <laughs> What's she saying? Oh, I got a good one. Okay, here's a quick one. Here's a quick one. Sonia uh -oh. Carter, Deacon, Deacon, uh, Deacon is Sonia Carter from my church said, do lady pastors say, I'm fixing the clothes? I'm fi <laughs> I, I don't say I'm fixing to, I might say as I come to a close, but <laughs> as I come to, on my way to my seat. In my closing. <laughs> and as, as, as an Episcopal priest now, I don't even have to do that. I preach 10 minutes. It's, it's a done oh, deal. Done? <laughs> Mama told you said you had a story about that. We had a story about the fitting. The fitting. <laughs> I didn't, see, we did, I didn't come out of the south. My family was in the north, and uh, uh, and I had I never heard of fitting to do something. Okay. I just never remember hearing. It. But one of my one of my members was telling me about an accident she had, and she had she would always drive a big Cadillac. She was driving a Cadillac, and she said, "Reverend," she said, "I was getting ready. I was fitting the." to turn into to this parking lot. And she said, this man was coming down. And I said to myself, he's fitting to hit me. And uh, <laughs> he's fitting to hit me. He hit me. I almost rolled off on the chair on the floor. <laughs> oh, 
He said, as soon as I said he fit and hit me, he hit me. And I just I almost <laughs> rolled wonderful. I had that never heard of that before. <laughs> Man, it's hard to keep a straight face when you hear stuff from members and you just keep trying to keep a straight face. Listen, we gotta go. I, my kids got school in the morning. Uh some of you got to work. This has been amazing. I know everyone enjoyed it. If you're watching us, like, share, tag in the comments, tag somebody you want to watch this. Tell them it is worth their time. The audio will be up on our uh, audio feed, Spotify, Apple Music. Y'all about to be famous. Y'all about oh, to be. Lord, Lord, Lord. We didn't tell them beforehand because they wouldn't have came on if we had. <laughs> uh, everywhere you can find the podcast, YouTube, Facebook, all of your audio feeds. Uh, we, we, we love it. We appreciate it. We don't want to belabor the time, but we thank you so much for being thank with us. So much again. Mike, I'm going to take Big Mike out first and then uh, just thank you guys and let you guys go. Let me get that comment out of here. Thank uh, you for having and, and, and let you guys go. And we'll wrap up. I mean, it's, it's late, so we'll probably do another day. We'll, we'll wrap up and call and, and chat with you. But love you, love you, love you. Thank love you. Good night, Brian. Thank you so much again. Appreciate you. You all take care. Okay, you too. Pastor Jeff, that was, was a crazy show, night. Man. That was a great show, man. Amazing, I, man. It was. I I enjoyed every bit of what both of them had to say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was it was it was it was incredible. I think this is the value of having these discussions. Uh, this is what needs to be talked about, and even more. And it's not to push an agenda. I mean, your convictions are going to be convictions. And that's fine. We're not walking in and stomping in our churches tomorrow saying this, that, and the other. That's not the point. Uh, but it's wonderful to have the conversation, to open up our eyes, our minds, and our hearts, and just talk about life. Uh, and ministry is a part of our lives. Life is a part of our ministries. And so I think it's a great way to uh, expose people to what they might not know and might not realize and let God do the rest in all of our lives. So, uh, Jeff, love you, man. Appreciate love you. Brother. Talk this show is a blast, man. Doesn't this yes, make right. me feel good after preaching on Sundays? I'm glad yeah. we did. Wonderful. Man. I'm about to go back on my motorcycle. Though. Right. Right. Listen. <laughs> take this brother's keys. Whatever y'all start motorcycles up with. What do y'all do? Like a lighter? What do you? How do you start? I don't know. Right, right. <laughs> my, my motorcycle must be as old as Gina's first sermon. <laughs> <laughs> Does your motorcycle have a wick? <laughs> You got to put gunpowder in that joint. <laughs> no, we are crazy, man. We are crazy. Listen, we love y'all. Y'all take love care. This is Religiously Incorrect. And Next we week, 9 o'clock. Same, same bat time. Same, same bat, bat place. Amen. Same channel. Take care. Peace out. Deuces. Oh, he's gone. So we'll holler at you guys tomorrow. That was good. Yeah, it was great. Was it, it was great. Yeah, yeah.
It was worth the time and everything. Everybody was engaged the whole time. I, I was going to say people actually held on until the end. Yeah. Yeah. Number stayed up. So yeah. Yeah. we still alive because it's, it's yeah, my bad. 